Amen. Highland Church, if you love Jesus, let's give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, don't fool me. If you really love Jesus, what a blessing it is to be here with you all. I thank God for Pastor John and Sister Jennifer. Thank God for them, and I thank God for you. Uh, Highland, my daughter, uh, was here for a year at, at Baylor, and she was able to call Highland home. And so I thank this worship team uh, that's being led by uh, Jared. Can you give your worship team a hand? Amen. Amen. There is a word from the Lord. I believe there's a text message from the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6, uh, whether it's your device, if you're clicking there or turning there. Uh, and if you just uh, were on the struggle bus this morning and didn't bring anything, then the words are on the screen there for you. Amen. If you're already there and you click there, we're, we're not impressed. You, you just click the button and you beat everybody there. All right. When you find it, let me know by saying, word up. All right, Highland, we got to work on that, but we gonna get, we'll get there. Isaiah chapter 6, uh, looking at verses 1 through 9, and it reads like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. One cried to another and said, holy, holy, holy. Everybody say, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Everybody say smoke. So I said, whoa, you know it, say whoa. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongues of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Verse 9, And he said, Go and tell these people that keep on hearing but do not understand, that keep on seeing but do not perceive. I want to talk briefly from this thought, the, the God of interruptions the God of interruptions. And so if it's not too early, go ahead and help me preach. Say, Pastor, we're going to learn that God is still God. Father, have your way. Teach us today. Inform us by your word. Transform us by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I hate interruptions. I know hate is a strong word, but I hate interruptions. My big mama, my grandmother, she said it like this. You have two ears and one mouth, so you can do more listening than talking. And she told me not to interrupt people. When, when I'm talk, I, talking, I expect you to listen. When you're talking, I'm going to listen. One thing that really gets under my skin is when people say, I hate to interrupt you. <laughs> if you hate to interrupt me, then why are you interrupting me? Hate is a strong word, but interruptions are real in our lives. And even though I hate interruptions, and perhaps you hate interruptions like me, the reality is, is that God is oftentimes in the interruptions of life 
but seldom is he in the plans of life. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Uh, God is oftentimes in the interruptions of life, but seldom is he in the plans of life. My grandfather said it like this, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. As a matter of fact, I discovered throughout the Bible that God specializes in interruptions. Jesus himself specializes in interruptions. I I can prove it to you. The first miracle that was performed, there was a wedding, and at the wedding, they had an after party. And at any good wedding after party, if y'all not too saved this morning, there there has to have alcohol. See, I knew knew y'all were saved, super saved here. Uh, And so at the good after party, those that are willing to be honest this morning, you you have alcohol at the after party. And uh, anytime you run out of wine, that's a sure enough interruption of the party. Jesus comes on the scene and he takes water and he turns it into Patron. He says, keep the party going. Why? Because he specializes in interruptions. You remember the paralytic in Mark chapter 2, the paralytic that's laying outside the door and he can't get in to see Jesus. So four men, even if you flunk Sunday school, you know this story. They, they pick the man up. They can't get him to Jesus through the front door. So they go around the side of the house. They go up the stairs and they dig through the roof while Jesus is preaching. The best preacher to ever preach, the best man to ever live. Jesus is preaching and, and, and dirt starts falling from the roof. They're interrupting Jesus while he's preaching and How does Jesus respond? Uh, He forgives him of his sins and gives him a fresh pair of legs because he specializes in interruptions. Okay, I got one more. Uh, Remember the disciples, uh, they got into the boat with Jesus and they were supposed to go to the other side. And as they get to go into the other side, the winds and the waves come and beat up on the boat and the disciples don't know what to do. They think they're about to die and Jesus is asleep on a cushion, the Bible says, and uh, they need somebody to wake Jesus up. Uh, I don't know who it was, but if I use my spiritual imagination, I think it was Peter because Peter was the thug of the group. He had a cursing problem and a cutting problem, y'all, y'all. And so he goes to wake Jesus up, and Jesus gets up. Now, my children know if there's one thing not to mess with when it comes to their dad, it's his sleep. But they wake Jesus up, and how does Jesus respond? He speaks to the, the winds and the waves. He says, peace, be still. Why? Because Jesus specializes in interruptions. The reality of interruptions is that interruptions don't DM us. They don't message us. They don't email us. They're not not in your Snap. They're they're not in your Messenger, IG, or Facebook. Uh, Interruptions will just come up in life. And the reality is, is that many of us are dealing with interruptions today. I know you got on your good clothes, your good Sunday clothes, and and, and I know you you know all of the jargon. You know uh, what to say when someone says, how are you doing? You say, I'm blessed and highly, maybe you don't say that, but you know the jargon. And uh, you're here today, but you're dealing with an interruption in your life. I don't know what the interruption could be. It could be sickness. It could be uh, maybe your parents are dealing with some things. Maybe you're dealing with some things that no one else knows about. Uh, This is the season of the highest depression and suicide uh, going into Thanksgiving and Christmas. I don't know what interruption you're dealing with in life, but the word for today is, is the fact that Isaiah teaches us how to deal with interruptions in life. Isaiah himself is dealing with an interruption in verse 1, Isaiah chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died. 
You can stop right there. Anytime you have to deal with death, anytime you have to deal with grief, even anytime you have to deal with the loss of someone that you're close to, some scholars say that Uzziah was his uncle or, or close to Ken. Either way, he was a mentor and someone that was close to Isaiah. And now Isaiah has to deal with personal tragedy in his life that interrupts his life. Interruptions don't let us know when they come, but they come and they pack their bags. They stay longer than you want them to stay. They will stay at your house and not pay any rent, not not, not pay any water. Interruptions and unfavorable conditions sometimes are in our lives. How do we deal with interruptions? Isaiah teaches us how to deal with the interruptions. Would you like to know just a few things that Isaiah did in response to his interruption? Okay, I come from an antiphonal style of worship. It's call and response. It's you can talk back, you can wink at me or something, wave, say, hey, I'm here, I'm awake, whatever it is, whatever the case may be. But here it is, Isaiah teaches us how to respond to the interruptions of life. Here's what he teaches us. Isaiah, in the midst of his interruption, has an upward observation. Everybody say upward observation. It's in the text. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In, in, in the year uh, that my heart was broken, I saw the Lord. In the year I lost someone that was close to me, I saw the Lord. In the year of my heartbreak, I saw the Lord. In the year of my unfavorable condition, I saw the Lord. In the year of the death, in the year of the depression, in the year of the suicide, in the year of the pink slip, I saw the Lord. As a matter of fact, this word Uzziah means strength. You can replace Uzziah and put strength in the text. In the year that my strength died, I saw the Lord. And here's the reality. We learned this just a few years ago, what was really strong. We learned that our healthcare system wasn't as strong as we thought it was. We learned that our school system wasn't as strong uh, as we thought it was. That's why you used to blame the teachers for your kids' issues until you had to sit in the house with them for two years and you said the teacher might be on. We we learned that our strength can die. And, uh, And Isaiah says, in the year that my strength died, I saw the Lord. In the King James Version, I like what it says. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, there's a, there, there's a four-letter word that's added in there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord. <laughs> that's good news. So, sometimes we just need an also. In the year that my heart was broke, I saw that but I also saw the Lord. In the year that I got the bad diagnosis, I saw that, but I also saw the Lord. In the year that I lost my loved one, I saw that, but I also saw the Lord. We have to learn to put in also in our lives as we deal with interruptions. I saw all of that stuff, and I felt all of that stuff, but I also saw the Lord. He has this upward observation. It's this vision. It's this worship service that Isaiah is in. His heart is broken, but he has this upward observation where he sees God, but not only does he see him, when he sees him, he's sitting. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting. Is that what it says? It's in there if you ain't told it out. It's in your Bible too. I, I, I saw the Lord. When I saw him, he was sitting. I had a problem with the text because Isaiah is in a low point of life and God is sitting down. Yeah. Have y'all ever been in a place in life where you feel like God was silent? 
Have you ever been in a place in life where, 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 where they told you in Sunday school, they told you in VBS, they told you in Awana, they said, they said just pray and talk to God, and you tried that, but it seems like God is, God is sitting. He's chilling. He's parlaying. He's laid back. God is sitting. But I learned something in the text that even though God is sitting, he's still sovereign. As a matter of fact, the Bible calls heaven his, his, his throne and earth his footstool. He, he, he's a big God. He's a sovereign God. We, we saw him. Isaiah says, I saw him. But when I saw him, he was sitting. But not only was he sitting, he was satisfying. The text says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. Here it is. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Y'all got to put yourself in the text. You can see Isaiah as he sees God. And when he sees God, he's sitting but the train of his robe is filling the temple. In other words, when Isaiah sees the train of his robe, the train is overflowing. In other words, there's more train than there is temple. Okay, I'll say it like this. According to customs and manners, when one king would go to war with another king, the king who won would go to the king who lost, cut his robe off, and sew it on to his own robe. Y'all don't know where to shout. I'll go this side. Um, according to customs and manners, when one king would go to war with another king, the king who won would go to the king who lost, cut his robe off, and sew it onto his robe. So when Isaiah is having this upward observation, he sees that the train of the robe fills the temple and it's overflowing. In other words, Isaiah is seeing a victorious God. He's seeing a God that never loses. He's seeing a God that is victorious. As a matter of fact, you don't fight for victory as a believer. You fight from victory as a believer. And I don't know what interruption you're dealing with in your life today. You have the victory. As a matter of fact, in the old school African-American church, we used to sing this song, victory is mine, victory is mine. Victory today is mine. We have the power through Christ if we're a believer to fight from victory. He sees the train of his robe that is filling the temple. He sees him. He's sitting He's satisfying. And then Isaiah hears some singing. It's right here in the text. Look at verse 2. Above it stood a seraphim, one. Uh, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So here it is. He sees God satisfying, but he also hears this singing by these angelic beings who are singing, Holy, holy, holy. In the Hebrew, it's this word kadosh. They're singing kadosh, kadosh, kadosh over and over again. It's an antiphonal fashion. Um, um, one angelic being is crying out holy. Then another angelic being is crying out holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. In, in, in the Hebrew language, there's no superlative move. There, there's no great, greater, greatest. There's no low, lower, lowest. So in order to put emphasis and weight on a word, they would just repeat the word over and over again. So they're saying, holy, ho okay, y'all still don't get it. So, so if you grew up in the Hebrew high school, if you went to the University uh, 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 of Israel, if you, if, if you were there and you saw a fine girl, you would say, she fine, fine. Fine. If you if if you saw a brother, if you saw a brother and 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 he was and he was challenged, 
You say he ugly? Ugly? So they're singing, these angelic beings are singing, holy, 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 to put an emphasis on who God is. And this word holy means separated for the use of God, separated for the use of God. He's singing holy. They're singing holy, holy, holy. And I like this because in Leviticus 19, God says, you are holy because the Lord your God is holy. So in other words, not only is God separated for the use of God, but we're separated for the use of God. In other words, you can't hang with everybody you want to hang with. You can't be with everybody you want to be with because God has separated you. He has put you to the side for a special use. Even though you may feel like you're not the one who is special, God says you're special and you're separated for his use. Y'all still not getting it. Y'all still not getting it. Here it is. You got to be at least 33 to understand what I'm about to say. Google it later if you don't get it. Uh, We used to have in my house what's called a china cabinet. Uh, The only time that you could use the china uh, was for Christmas, Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, and Easter. That's it. If you touch the china, and it's not Mother's Day, it's not Christmas, it's not not Easter. If if you touch the china, there's going to be some repercussions. There's going to be some furniture moving. There's going to be a situation. In other words, the china was only used for special times. And so God has deemed us as being holy like him, separated for the use of God. That's why everybody can't come in your china cabinet. Everybody can't touch her. You can't hang with her. Everybody ought not be in your DMs or your contact. I wish y'all would help me preach. Y'all quiet. You can't do with everybody else. God has called you to be separate for his use. I like this. Isaiah teaches us in this upward observation that we see God, he's sitting, he's satisfying, we hear this singing, but not only is there an upward observation as he responds to the interruptions of life, there's an inward transformation. Look in verse four. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe. Everybody say woe. Woe is me for for I am undone. Isaiah, in the midst of his interruption, sees God, but then he sees himself. He says, whoa. In other words, in verse 4, the text says, and the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Um, He catches contact of the smoke, and after he catches contact, he's convicted. I'll say it one more time for the people in the back. Uh, He catches contact. After he catches contact, He's convicted. Okay. Um, So I have a lot of problems. I have a lot of problems in life. I'm not judging anyone in here. Uh, I have problems now. I had problems when I was in high school. But one issue in high school that I didn't have was I, I I didn't have the issue of smoking weed. Not judging you. God can deliver you. Like, I'm not even joking. God can deliver you. That's, that's, it's all good. But I, that's just wasn't one of my issues. But one of my best friends, that was his issue. All day, smoke. Wake up, smoke. Midday, smoke. At night, smoke. He's always smoking. He got his car before we got our car, so naturally he was the one that would come and pick us up. And when he would come and pick us up, yep, you guessed it, he would be smoking. And so we would get in the car, and even though I didn't get high, even though I didn't smoke, we would get high because the smoke would fill the car. And we would catch contact. In the text, the text says that the smoke filled the temple. 
Anytime you see smoke or a cloud in the Bible, it's the representation of the glory. In the Hebrew, the kabod, the weight of God. The glory of God filled the temple. And when Isaiah goes into the temple, he catches contact of the glory of God, and he says, whoa. In other words, our objective after everybody comes into place of worship is not necessarily to get us here. Our objective is to get him here. And once we get God here, his glory fills the temple. And a person who doesn't know who Jesus is, a person who doesn't want anything to do with Jesus, will come into a sanctuary that's filled with smoke, the glory of God, and catch contact and say, whoa. Isaiah says... Woe is me. I like this because Isaiah, after he sees God, he sees himself. Lord, deliver me from the people who always see something wrong with someone else. Yeah, see, y'all, y'all, don't, know, y'all don't know anybody? Y'all, y'all, y'all don't know people? I mean, it's always somebody else. It's always, look at this person over here. Look at this person. You could just wink at your boy. You, you, you ain't got to say nothing. Uh, uh, the, the people who always blame somebody. Isaiah says, no, 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 it's, It's me. Isaiah is not like the woman uh, who would come downstairs every morning and eat breakfast with her family. And she she would look through the window at her next door neighbor and she would see her neighbor hanging clothes on the clothesline. And she would say, that woman needs to get her life together. Those clothes are still dirty. Why is she hanging up dirty clothes? Every morning she would come downstairs. She would sit at the table, eat with her family, look through the window. She would say, that woman needs to get some Arm and Hammer. She needs to get some Awl. She needs to get something because those clothes are still dirty. Until one day she comes downstairs, she sits at the table, She looks through the window. She says, finally, that woman got her life together. Finally, she knows how to wash clothes. Finally, the clothes are clean. And her husband looks at her and says, no, I came down before you got down here and I just cleaned our window. Because the reality is we have to come to a place where we're not looking through windows, but we start looking through mirrors. And actually, James calls the word of God a mirror so we can not only see him, we can see us, yes, even in the midst of an interruption. Isaiah sees God, then he sees himself. He's, he's convicted, and, 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 and he's, he's, he, he catches contact, and uh, he confesses. He says, he says, it's me, and then he's cleansed. Watch this, y'all. He's cleansed. Look in verse, in verse uh, uh, 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me. Everybody say, flew to me having in his hand a live coal which he had taken from the tongues of the altar. And he touched my mouth with it, and behold, uh, he says, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. I like this because in Isaiah's interaction and worship experience, when he has this inward transformation, he doesn't have to get to God. God sends the angelic beings to him. I'll say it again for the people in the back. He doesn't have to try to get to God because he's messed up, but God actually comes down to him. I love this in the text because it lets us know that you can't dot your I's and cross your T's. You can't just get yourself together to try to get to God. No, he sent his son uh, up from heaven to come to us. He sent him down to come where we are. To the person who doesn't know who Jesus is, that feels like you got to get your life together before you can come to church or before you can come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. No, no, no. You can't get it together, but Jesus can get it together for you. And he comes right where you are. 
it's, it's, like, the, it's like the dad who was dealing with his son uh, who was in his terrible twos, turning the house upside down, doing all kind of stuff in the house. And so they knew they needed to discipline the boy. And so they started putting him in the playpen. That was his time out. That was his, his time that he had to sit by himself. And so they started putting him in the playpen. And one day they put him in the playpen and, and, and the guy's father comes to the house. Pawpaw, granddad, comes to the house. And as granddad comes in the house, he looks over at his grandson in the playpen and the grandson is saying, uh, granddaddy, granddaddy, get me. And, 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 and the dad says, no, dad, you can't go get him. He needs to learn his lesson. He's in timeout. He hasn't been doing what he's supposed to do. So the granddad, since, 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 since he couldn't go get him, he comes over next to the playpen. He takes his shoes off and he gets right in the playpen with him. And that's what God does for us. I'm about to get excited in here. I know, I, I know I'm talking loud, but I'm excited because when I was messed up, God came where I was. I couldn't get to him, but he came to me just as I am. You don't have to try to get it together. He wants to come where you are. Isaiah has this upward observation. He has this inward transformation. And then there's an outward demonstration. Look at the text in verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah has a divine call. The text says, ah, who will go for us? That's a Trinitarian move. It's, it's got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's saying, who will go for, it's a divine call. It's, it's, it's a call specifically uh, to Isaiah and Isaiah responds with saying, here am I, send me. I like this because here I am suggests when God tells you what to do, you say yes. But here am I suggests before God tells me what he wants me to do, I've already said yes. Isaiah says, here am I send me. His call is divine, but his call is also defined. Look in verse 9. God says, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go and tell. I know y'all were looking for something real deep. Uh, that's, that's all I got right here. God, God says, in the midst of your interruption, you, you've had this upward observation and you've had this inward transformation now there needs to be an outward demonstration. I need you to go and tell. Barna Research says that 76% of churchgoers don't know what the Great Commission is. They don't know what Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20 is. They don't know what the Bible says and what the Great Commission is. I'm talking about churchgoers, uh, parking lot attendants and, and praise team, uh, worship singers and elders don't know what the Great Commission is. Here's the reality. We have 30 million people in Texas and we have about 15 million people that don't know Jesus. God needs us or he wants to use us to go and tell. Even in the midst of our interruptions, in the midst of our heartbreaks, in the midst of our unfavorable conditions, God wants to use us to tell a world about him. I'll close with this story. Um, true story. There was a recreation center in New Orleans. 
in this recreation center, they went the entire summer with no drowning. No drowning. No one drowned the entire summer, 11 weeks. So because they went 11 weeks with no drowning, they wanted to celebrate the fact that they went the entire summer with no drowning. So naturally, they threw a pool party. As they throw this pool party, uh, there's over 200 certified lifeguards, and there's six lifeguards on duty. They get to the party, y'all, and they turn up. They party like it's 1999. I mean, they party. And as they party, they get to the end of the party, and they start cleaning up. And as they're cleaning up, they find Jerome Moody, age 31, fully clothed, dead, in the deep end. And so the question one would ask is, how do you die of drowning while being surrounded by over 200 certified lifeguards? I think they got so caught up in the celebration or maybe they were caught up in their own interruptions or issues in their own lives that they missed people around them dying. Highland Church, God has a challenge and a call for each of us, even in the midst of our interruptions, that we see him, we see ourselves, and we see them. That's our prayer today, that we see them. Father, thank you today for the interruptions of life, because oftentimes you use the interruptions for us to see you, to see ourselves, and to see those that need you. Father, I pray a special prayer over this body of believers that maybe someone needs to come to the altar, someone needs to kneel, someone needs to give their life to Jesus, someone just needs prayer. Father, I pray today that you would move in the hearts of your people as we respond to your rich word. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.